Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Hey everybody, that was Jeff Pitchell's Fat Cigar you were listening to, and that means it's time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. Coming at you live from Twin Smoke Shop's studio headquarters in Hooksett, New Hampshire. Be sure to subscribe to us on Podbean, iHeartRadio now, iTunes, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Pastor Padrone. I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, Paul, Nick, and Dave Bree from the 724 Lounge. And coming back to us again tonight, very special guest, Orlando Cabrera. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I know there were some people who were thinking, he's never going to come back. You just totally lied to us, Pastor Padron. I'm here. I'm here. He's Uh, here. Love it. He's doing great. And uh, tonight's episode is Everybody Wants Some. Cigars and tobacco that everyone hunts for. And this is going to be a great show on a number of levels, people. And uh, one of them is certainly what we're smoking tonight. And uh, what we're smoking, what we're starting off with right now, we couldn't wait. We started before the show started, was this Opus X right here. And it is the Fuente Fuente Opus X Forbidden X 13, Keeper of the Flame 2013. (laughs) <laughs> that has got to be the longest name of a cigar. It's got at least, it's, it's certainly in the top five. It's definitely a mouthful. Yeah. It's a big mouthful. I don't even think Dave could actually put that on the little scroller at the bottom. <laughs> it would have crashed. We just, we just put Opus X. <laughs> <laughs> you get the picture. You get the picture. But um, this is a very uh, special cigar. The um, um, Opus is one of the most sought-after cigar lines uh, in production today. The wrapper binder filler on this is undisclosed. It is a six and a quarter by forty-nine ring gauge cigar. And uh, Bree, what are we pairing with this? So tonight we are drinking the Belvini Caribbean Cask. Um, so this is a fourteen-year-old <clears throat> Scotch. Um, it bears a little bit more semblance to a bourbon because mm. it was aged in rum barrels. Uh, we have a little Ooh. bit of backstory here. Mm. So um, the single malt whiskey has been matured in traditional oak and whiskey casks for fourteen years, finished in casks that held Caribbean rum previously. Um, the master distiller, David C. Stewart, filled American oak casks with his own blend of select West Indian rums. When he judged those casks to be ready, the rum was replaced with the 14-year-old spirit, and the wood was put to work adding the final touches. And that's what led to this exceptional single malt whiskey. Um, yeah, so this, this spirit is going to have some notes of um, cream, a little bit of toffee. It's going to be rich and sweet. Um, should pair very well with this cigar. Um, it does. It does. It is so far. It does. <laughs> it does. Oh, yes. It, it does. does. It's excellent. Um, before we get to, you know, uh, the uh, kind of a first round of what we think of how things are going here, I want to talk a little bit more about 
the cigar, the uh, Forbidden X 13. Forbidden. Um, did you ever wonder where the 13 came from? Why is it 13? Why is it boxes of 13? You know, there's a little clock on here and it has 13 on it. A clock should have 12. What's the deal? Some clocks do. Well, I know. I'll let you figure it out. You let me figure it out? <laughs> well, it turns out 13 is a very important number to the Fuente family. And, um, uh, you know, just a couple of, of things here. Uh, Carlos Fuente Sr.'s favorite number, 13. He was born on the 13th. I mean, he was, no, yeah, he was born on the, he was born on 13th Street, excuse me. Your excuse. Born on 13th Street. Uh, their U.S. headquarters is on 1310 22nd Street. Um, when Arturo Fuente died, uh, the founder of uh, Fuente, he was 85 years old. If you add eight and five together, you get what? 13. 13. And the wrapper for the Forbidden X cigar was grown on a, guess what? 13-acre farm. Whether they did that on purpose or not, I don't know. But 13 is all over the place. And so it, they come in boxes of 13. And the, um, the 2013 cigar... The reason that number is in the date there is 2013 symbolizes the first year of the second century of them being in, of, of Fuente producing cigars. Wow. So from 1912 to 2012, that was the first hundred years of continuous operation of their factory. 2013 would be the first year in the second century, and that's why it has that name. And that's why it is called the Keeper of the Flame. It is continuing the tradition on into the second century of stuff. Did I miss anything there? Unbelievable information. I got a couple of more, but uh, they're more personal, so oh, I'd rather not say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what's going oh, on oh, here. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get permission from Mr. Fuente to share, so I won't. He said it's a guy that worked for him. Mm. Uh, that. Um, that's his financial, uh, his family's uh, financials, and I asked him about it too, and and, and he got a couple of stories. Mm. Uh, why I'm sure it, there's more. Yeah. So, but uh, you're exactly right. Uh, the number thirteen means a lot to the family. Yep. Yep. It actually means a lot to my parents too. They they were uh, engaged on Friday the thirteenth. Okay. So thirteen is their lucky number. They got married on August thirteenth. So it's very appropriate for me to be smoking this 13, this uh, Keeper of the Flame 2013. So now that we've had a few minutes or more than a few minutes to smoke this cigar, I'm curious as to what people think. Um, and Dave, I'll start with you so that you can talk yes. uh, and then work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, I think the drink is... Uh, dwink? The dwink is uh, pairing greatly with the Powing. this opus. And uh, getting a lot of little earth, little letters, some spice, and um, there's like a subtle, very subtle sweetness. But um, yeah, it's going. It's I think it's going really well. That's good. Mm. Uh, Bree, what about yourself? You know, I'm actually gonna have to agree with Dave this time around. Um, 
<laughs> not that I don't, but. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. Um, I like that the cigar um, off the bat, you know, you you get that first puff yeah. of um, that subtle sweetness, that mm. creaminess. Um, the spice is starting to come out a little bit just mm. to kind of um, coat the top of your palate. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I am getting... Um, an earth that's rounded out by leather so you mm. don't get that intense soil flavor at mm -hmm. all but you get just enough of it coming through um with kind of like a smoothness behind it and then this the scotch is kind of rounding that spice out a yeah. little bit more as well paul what about you so when i first let the cigar i absolutely was falling in love with the spice that was coming out of it it really yeah. was very full body right from the initial go uh lots of uh cedar notes the wood, the uh, the earthiness, the leather, it was all coming out at me. Um, when I started to take the uh, uh, first few sips of the drink, it uh, the spice was mellowed out, uh, and the sweetness in the earth is uh, present, very much present. So I'm getting a lot of earthy wood notes. Uh, the spice has been is but the the dominant player, which was the spice, has now been. A uh, in a minor role, but the the retrohale, wow! The retrohale really, on this is really amazing, amazing. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Man. Nick, kind of in a trance right now because this is that's okay because we're kind of pressed for time. So. Okay, <laughs> come back to me. <laughs> no, uh, everything that you know, Paul and Bree were and very municipal <laughs> <laughs> you smoke anything before the cigar uh, <laughs> a few cigars today a couple uh jack daniels shots as I'm well sure you did um almost, almost out um but the when i first lit it up it was a absolute spice bomb hmm. and the retro hail was incredible as i'm smoking it down and drinking kind of smoothing it out a little bit you're still getting the sweet notes earth leather really nice balance here full medium plus full but incredibly smooth and creamy mm. and like you said dan the retro hail on this is is spectacular amazing it is it is i wouldn't think anything less from an opus now orlando what are what are you Picking up from the cigar here, you agree? Well, with yes. What you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, every, the great thing about these cigars, especially Opus, mm -hmm. is that seems like everybody tastes something different every time, mm. right? But it's a cigar that has so much balance. Yeah. Um, that, and when I mean about that is that you 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 taste a little bit of toffee. Right, mm -hmm. but it's like a burnt toffee, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So it's a cigar that you can either have in the morning with a coffee, or you can have it in a night with a nice uh, mm. brown liquor, and it would round out the cigar taste. Uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's uh, the, the forbidden really does taste a little bit different than a regular Opus. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely does. It's, it's, it's definitely have more spice, like you guys saying. Mm -hmm. um, and and think about. The fact that I aged these cigars for about five years in in a refrigerator with bourbon, so that sweetness that you taste, it comes from that bourbon and that aging 
time. So you, mm. you this box has been in your yeah aging with the with the with the bourbon with the bourbon for five years. Five years in the in the in the box in the box. So uh, that's that sweetness that comes in. Mm. Um, I have smoked these cigars right the minute I got it from the box before all yep. the boxes yep. and and it does not taste it tastes you know a lot of spice mm -hmm. um, a lot of coffee but you don't taste any sweetness mm. until the end but now you can taste that from the beginning does yeah. anyone else get any like a dark baker's chocolate kind of a taste in this a some tad cacao. bit yeah. yeah tad bit in there cacao. yeah yeah cacao cacao, cacao. <laughs> oh that's so cute Sean says what Orlando, we appreciate you. Oh, <laughs> we I were joking you too, about brother. it. We I knew you we knew you were going to say that, Sean. And look, you actually wrote it out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now he's got to go. Yeah, now he's go. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. Bye bye. <laughs> and look at that. Uh, we got Ray watching. The a cigar enthusiast is watching us. That hey, is Ray. fantastic. Great to see you, Ray. They were up at Twins this uh, past weekend, and that was a really fun time. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, Orlando, uh, can I ask you some questions of here? Of course. You know, what, what have you been up to since uh, you know you were you were on the show back in the spring when when all of the COVID shutdown stuff was really just kind of getting going? Yeah. And you know, I, I I don't think I've had the chance to tell you your episode was one of the most. It was the third most watched and downloaded episode that we've had. Wow. There were, uh, you know, I think it was, we had almost 600 uh, unique views for that. Nice. It was a very good show. So we're very glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's double up. Let's double down. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Double yeah. Down, right? <laughs> let's see. Let's see what we could do there. But yeah, what, no, like you say, uh, you know, um, um, I've been just playing golf. Golf, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, is everybody been, retired from baseball and play golf? Well, a lot of people play what they uh play golf with they on playing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't do it, yeah. Uh, so now that I retire and um, I have more time, especially this this uh summer, I couldn't go see my clients or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I was golfing a lot, especially with you, with you guys' bosses, Mr. <laughs> Sean Reiner. Uh, is, and, that, uh, is that how he hurt his back? <laughs> no. No, unfortunately, it was right before he swing the, uh, swing the golf club. Uh, unfortunately, hopefully, he's uh, getting better. Yeah. Uh, he's kept getting back to 100%. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just being with my kids, with my wife, just, just being in the house, in the house uh, doing things. That's cool. It's, it's good to have time in the house. Yeah. I mean, your wife sees you all the time, and... She's putting you to do a lot of stuff around the house. So I'm, oh, yeah. Kind of lazy with that. Uh, I can contest to that. That is uh, so true. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, we've heard a lot in the news about how COVID has been affecting sports. I mean, right when that the baseball season was starting this year, you heard whole teams basically got taken out by, by COVID and stuff yeah. like that. How do you think this has all been affecting, you know, uh, sports this year do you, and do you feel like the the teams and the associations that uh, have been reacting well to it you know 
I, I think so. I think so because uh, I think I think they 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 done a great job mm-hmm. just bringing bringing sport back. Yeah. Um, especially for for as Americans, we love sports. Yeah. We like to watch competitions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they you know like NBA putting everybody in the bubble. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Uh, I watched all the playoff games. I mean, super excited. It's just like nothing happened, right? right. Uh, baseball, you know, fortunately, baseball is it's a little slower. Right. Um, especially nowadays where, like, you know, people strike out so much that, you know, the, the game is not as uh, as as good, at, you know, to watch it all the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they've they, they done a hell of a job uh, putting everything together, flying people around. And uh, I think it's been a success this this uh, this this season. Uh, hopefully for next year, uh, and with the gov- help of the government and the people, uh, things like you know get better and and we can go back to normal. I hope so too. You know, there's there's one of my favorite things at at Twins is football season and watching the games there on. Sundays or Monday nights and everything. It's just there's just something about sitting, having a cigar and a drink with yeah. a bunch of people who are major Pats fans. Yeah. You know, watching watching football and everything. You wanna mm-hmm. you wanna have that back. And it was just so weird not having anything to watch. It, it really was. did take so much out of television. Man, we were watching Korean baseball, man. Yeah. <laughs> God. We, were, we were getting desperate like when it first started we had customers and there was like literally nothing on and they started watching like um cornhole tournaments and i was like cornhole oh, yeah. really guys like, like that, that's cornhole that's all we got it is yeah so, you know. nothing on i was like oh man that's that's bad that's you know now there must be some parts of the world where cornhole is all the rage Kind of like curling, America. I'm sure. I'm sure Rod is very big into curling. <laughs> One of our Canadian regulars. But the customers still got into it, and they they cheered when like someone got into it. It's like I don't even know these people. Like, like, hey, they they yeah. professional. Here's a super slow motion. Yeah, that's what they did. You see the sock slowly fly through the air. Oh my gosh. So now. One of the things I know you enjoy doing, I'm sure you've been doing it more lately, is playing poker. Love poker. You are a <laughs> poker freak. Yeah, uh, it just come come with the territory. Uh, like I was, I don't know if you remember last in the last show that I yeah. was here, we yeah. talked about this. Um, I, I was a guy that uh, in the clubhouse was my job was to get the best of everybody. Mm-hmm. So, I got traded so many times, but so many times I got my team to the playoffs mm-hmm. was because I was able to read these guys mm. fast and accurate as as I could mm-hmm. in that particular moment. So, when you go to poker and you sit down with a bunch of strangers, you know, a couple of questions, a couple of things that they say, whatever... And, and and trust me, I know I'm in a disadvantage because people know who I am. So right. once you know who I am, everybody wants to play against me because mm-hmm. everybody wants to tell people, you know, oh, I beat Maybe this guy, I took his money. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, so I had, to, I had to get good fast. So I read, I mean, I read pff, dozens 
on books, uh, on, on poker, on everything, uh, from every one of those superstars, poker players. Mm. And uh, so I judge really fast and, and, you know, just love, love the sport, mm -hmm. love to just beat people down, man. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> I, I just love it. You know, that competition is, is something that uh, after you retire, you kind of need, need that. Right, right. Is uh, is was going away from me, and and I and I have it back now. So that's why I, now with that, and then golf, mm. I kind of like you know uh, simultaneously uh, take that drive and 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 um, and work in those two games. Mm. Which one is more mentally challenging for you? Well, of course, golf is the most uh, mentally challenge sports mm -hmm. because in poker, you know, it's all about your opponent, right? Right. Golf is always a golf course. You're not playing mm. against a guy, you're playing against a golf course. Mm. And, you know, if it's wet, if it's dry, if it's windy, if it's, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and, and you want to be good at it. You know, mm -hmm. you want to have a good swing, you want to be consistent. And um, so it takes a lot of practice uh, just to to be decent and <laughs> are you I'm decent? Getting there. I'm getting, I'm getting, getting there. there. I'm getting there. Yeah. What's, what's the best hand you ever ended up with in a poker game? I right, so you got You got to have, a I'm going to tell you a, sec well, a secret. It's not a secret uh, for many of the guys who play with me. Uh, they call me the seven, four boy. Okay. Seven, four is my favorite hand. Right. Uh, so seven four is to me is like having aces. Mm -hmm. So whatever I am, if I have position, if I if I'm first to come in the hand, mm -hmm. whatever it is, I'm gonna play those hands like aces. Uh, it's a hand that like I want the biggest parts. Uh, you know, one of the stories in the anchor I was playing with all top pros and uh, 10, 20, regular game over there mm. and it's people with you know five thousand ten thousand dollars in front of them and you know i guess seven four suited <laughs> and uh i just you know when you know race somebody raised me i re-race and uh and the then the flap comes seven seven king Ooh. and he was done <laughs> yeah. I took all that money, yeah. you know, and, and then you know, so my friends have start calling me seven four boy, hey, seven yeah. four boy. That's it. Yeah. Well, so, poker, poker is more of a of a mind game. It's it's more of a mind game of what you can get over somebody. You can bluff them out of their own game. It's it's more of a mind game. Golf, obviously, physical. You got to practice. You got to have your swing again, like you said. You're playing against the course. You're playing against the weather. You're not really playing against another person. Yeah. Poker, on the other hand, you have to use more of your mentality than physical attributes. Of course. I mean, but but the most important thing is that it's no egos. So right. people that play mm -hmm. with me think I have an ego. You, you know me. Mm -hmm. I have no ego. You beat me. You bluff me. Hey, good hand. Good bet. I'll see you next one. Mm -hmm. See you next time. Right? So I move on fast, which is one of the, the things that i seen from top pros, pros that they have. Mm -hmm. They just move on. They probably have a guy in the table 
harassing them, calling them names. Mm. And these guys, they don't even react. They just quietly just throw the hand and just wait for the opportunity to get you money. Yeah. Right? And so I learned that from them. And, and I'm more like the guy that steal parts. I don't bluff much. Mm -hmm. I just steal parts uh. because I can read the, the eyes. I can read the movement. I can read what they're doing. Mm. Uh, while they think I'm not watching, I'm just looking at everybody and just putting, you know, just recording everything. And when it, it's time for me to have a lot of chips on the table and see nobody interesting, I, I just take a peek at it and, you know, steal their part. Nice. I, I bet that translates into some great skills for parenting too. <laughs> poker face. I, I tell you, as a parent, <laughs> we we don't know every answer. No. But you have to come up with some solution sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and and the best the best parent and, and this is not against anybody out mm -hmm. there, uh, any mother, but my wife, it is amazing how she can almost always be right with the decision that she makes. Yeah. She's an excellent mother. Reading reading the situation. So I learned a lot yeah. from her. Yeah. I, I she has a, a incredible instincts and and she's you know probably the smartest person I know. Mm. You think that's very wise words. Such a good poker player is your wife. All that. All that. Nobody put more get you Nobody so put more pressure on me <laughs> to win than my than my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She gets she gets thirty <laughs> percent. Yeah, she gets thirty percent. How so does she get up to thirty? Hey, you have to you have to compromise. It's in the it's in the contract. You have to compromise. You have to compromise. Trickle down effect. So, it all trickles down. Yeah. Yeah. When they fifty, when they give you thirty, Danny, when they got married, Danny, when they got married, it's in the contract at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he had yours. to sign. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, What's, what do you enjoy most about being a dad? Just, you know, it, it makes me sad uh, with some of the guys, you know, I play with. Mm -hmm. They, you know, sometimes you ask them about the kids and they don't know. Right. You know, I love to drive my kid to school. Mm. I, I love to pick him up, to dress him up. You know, feeding breakfast, uh, talk to my kids when they come back from school. Hey, how was your day? Who do you meet? You know, my older, uh, McKenna, she just had a, like a play day with, with one of the kids in school. And she was just beside herself. And, and like you said, now with this COVID thing, it's hard to let your kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah play with other kids but you know we we i think we had a great system we have a great system uh in the house and and uh our kids you know see all the other kids and they interact and they you know they social they love that mm. and and just to see them grow and and, and be somebody I, I just nothing bring me more happiness than mm. that what's what's the biggest challenge you have right now being a dad oh well we talk, look, what we just said, like just missing out, yeah, and not say the right thing mm. for them because one of the things as a parents is you want to tell tell your kids something that 
you don't want it to happen, but you wanted to tell them anyways, mm. right? You don't want something to happen to them without you telling them, hey, this can happen to you, right? That's, I think that's a mistake a lot of parents make. Mm. So a lot of communication, a uh, lot of talking with them, explain it, uh, uh, how things are. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to have their own experience and, sure. and their home failures and their own success uh, so they can build character. Right. But uh, it is, it's just being there for mm-hmm. them. Be right when you're making that decision, when you help them make a decision. You know, you want to, to tell them things that are going to be true, you know? Hopefully, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know we live in this Isn't world, that right, like, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me give you an opportunity to to kind of maybe share some things about yourself that that uh, um, a lot of listeners watchers out there don't know. What what are five things That's about yourself? That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that a lot of people don't know or maybe we can tweak it a little bit that you wish they knew about you oh uh well i think i think it's a they know enough <laughs> uh, oh, that's a great answer but you know what I, you know if you know me i i'm a, i'm the simplest guy out there mm-hmm. uh and the reason is I don't, I don't think that what I did was so spectacular mm. to have this degree of uh, a celebrity mm-hmm. status. Uh, so I, I'm a simple guy, right? I, 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 go to, I go to shops, I go to market basket. You know, you're going to see me in a lot of places. I, I, you're going to see me in a little uh, pond with my kayak just fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm just, just a regular guy just like everyone else and uh just trying to you know accumulate as as many friends as i can mm. you know uh and uh you know I, nothing that i do i don't think people that doesn't know i'm not uh crazy behind curtains like all <laughs> like <older> the people <laughs> i guess it's what you see it's mm. what you get right yeah. Well, maybe maybe you should tell us five things about Sean that most people don't know. <laughs> yes. yes. Where can I start? <laughs> Spill the beans. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If we don't see him comment in a few minutes, we know he's gone. Yes. <laughs> or he's in the parking lot. Or he's in the parking lot. Well, i tell you what, though. And not, you know, trying to, like, cover his back, but, like, I've been, yes, I had the same job mm-hmm. for 15, 18 years, but I had different bosses for yeah. those 18 years. Mm. And and some of the bosses, I mean, you put it, you put one of those guys in front of me right now, I'll probably kill them. Mm. You know, they bad, bad yeah. people. And one thing that I know about Sean is a, is a, 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 a fair guy. That's one of the things that I love about him. He's, he's fair. He he will give you opportunities, but he's a fair guy. And, yeah. and I and, and from the boss, that's what you want. A lot of a lot of bosses don't give up anything. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I'm not talking about. Uh, I don't really know what goes on 
on a regular basis, but I know it, I know him. Right. You know, and I know he's a he's a fair guy. No, he's a good guy and a fair guy. You hear that, Sean? We love you too. We appreciate <laughs> you, Sean. We appreciate. We appreciate you. Sean. you. We appreciate you, man. Very much. You're the big guy. Well, <laughs> the second big guy, <laughs> not the big hairy guy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the big red guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see Sean with a beard. <laughs> um. Thank you. Next oh, question he, here. He is watching. Do you um, smoke a bunch of different stuff, or do you really have your f- few favorites and you just stick with that? No, I smoke. I smoke a lot of stuff. I smoke a lot of stuff. Um, like you said, like you know, Opus X is, is really could be your everyday cigar because mm. you run out of it. Yeah, and and every person that I know they smoke. Opus, and that's their favorite cigar. They they hoarded those mm. cigars, uh, but yeah, I do smoke um, Tabernacle, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stuff from from Nikki. Yeah, I smoke. Um, he makes great, great, cigars. great cigars. Yeah. Uh, what other cigars I like? I like that cigar that you give me. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the little guys. Uh, the Roma Craft. The Roma Craft. Raw oh. craft cigars, the the Neanderthal, that one, the Neanderthal, you Neanderthal. Like? That, that's I, that heavy bodied one. Heavy, heavy body, but I been edging them mm-hmm. for quite some time now. Ooh. Uh, the box still closed, so I'm gonna give him another month. I will bring some around. Nice. So you can tell yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it's it podcast. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Aged cigars. Yeah. We yeah. can do that. Part yep. three. We can do that. Yeah, Part exactly. Yep. Um, what are some of the cigars that you hunt for, Orlando? Um, the, the Opus... To me, the most rare cigar from Opus is the 888, mm-hmm. the, the Figurado. Mm. Um, I actually have a video of the guy that makes that cigar, and, and he sits in a corner uh, in the factory, and he goes around, when he's going to make that cigar, he goes around all the tables, and he picks every leave that he's gonna put in every single cigar mm. wow and and nobody can say anything like you can have you 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 leave count for the boxes you're gonna make and he yeah. can take two or three wow. you can't say anything to him he takes it i think his name is rodrigo or something like that and he goes in the corner he makes that he only makes uh i was told he only make about 10 boxes a month wow. of those cigars mm. and uh i know you guys get some but hey Guys out there, those are mine. <laughs> okay? <laughs> we'll be fighting in that parking lot. Woo! Uh, I, got, I got Orlando's back on that one. Yeah, I, thank I, you. I, I'm his back up on that one. So, yeah, I, I, you, guys, you guys are one of the, the few, few uh, stores around the country that gets those. And uh, I, I was told that... <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> one, of those, one of those, I remember... Um, I think that was a couple of years ago when, when that shipment um, out of Dominican got stolen. Mm-hmm. A 
big container full of mm. office. Oh, yeah. We that was three, that, four yeah. years ago. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. They say, I heard some friends in Dominican that they were, they were after those boxes. Wow. And that was, a, that was a whole container. It was about four or five million dollars of cigars. Wow. Wow. Stolen. Gone. Yeah. Yep. That you was know, out so, of uh, Miami uh, Miami Harbor, right? Something like that? The shipping they just, harbor? No, they just came out of it. So, so the Dominican cigars are only for uh, to export. Yeah. Right? So when they make the cigar in Santiago, they have to bring it to the port and they have to take them out about 200 kilometers mm-hmm. outside in the ocean and then bring them back. To really? selling in Dominican. Really? Yes. Yes. So, the, yeah, that's how they stole that. <laughs> so, it's a very... And, and it's all Dominican. It's all the... To me, right now, Dominican uh, tobacco that is growing in, in Santiago and around Santiago in Dominican mm-hmm. Republic is probably one of the, the best tobacco, uh, if not the best, arguably the best for me personally, the mm-hmm. best tobacco out there right now. What makes the Opus such a desirable cigar for you? There's other great Dominican cigars out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, what makes Opus the thing that you really, really enjoy? Well, once Carlito was able to grow the this tobacco every year, mm-hmm. the production the production was steady. He didn't have to go look for all the tobaccos anywhere, everywhere, especially the the rapid, the song grow. Right. Uh, and the consistency in these cigars are incredible. You can give me an Opus X without the ring and I know if it's an Opus or not. Hmm. Because the taste, even the smoke smell different. I just love it. Just love that the fact that, that you can tell what kind of cigar it is just by the smoke. Hmm. Now, I think you've already mentioned it, but what's the best cigar you've ever had? I have two. 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 That one, the 888, that I give you guys a bunch of them, Mm. or at least one each, not too much. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But that was a 32 cigar box, and I smoked Mm. all those cigars in like three, four days. Nice. Right? <laughs> Best cigar I ever had. But the second, uh, I don't know if I told you this story, was a Padron um, 1926, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife, in those days, she was first year that we were dating. Mm-hmm. She bought me that box for my birthday. And I took it to Columbia. I smoked some cigars. I, I'm not a Padron guy. Right. But about 10 years later, I went back to my old humidor in Cartagena in Colombia, mm-hmm. and I found one of those Padrones. And I smoked that Padron that day. It was amazing. Wow. It was incredible. And one of the things with the Padron is that for me, are too spicy. Mm-hmm. In the beginning when they, you know, you get about, once you edge it, they mellow down. Yep. They are tasty. Mm. So that cigar was uh, one of the best cigars I ever had. Do you remember which one of the 1926 it was? Uh, is I know it was a Figurado. Okay. Right? So I know it was a Figurado. 
uh, I don't remember. Mm. I don't even know how my mom changed, uh, kept it. My mom had my humidor in, in her house. Right. And I just went down there, just checking, just thinking about taking it back here. And, and I saw the cigar and I was like, wow. Like, and it was perfect. Wow. It wasn't hot. It wasn't hot. I was like, wow, you've been putting water here? It's like, no. Oh, yeah. I didn't even touch that. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, it's time for Pastor Padron's cigar confessions. And my confession, I don't know if I've shared it on the show here before or not. But my confession is I smoke in my car. Oh, yeah. I smoke in my car. Some people think that's a big no-no. I smoke in my car. And I want, you know, I'm, I'm one of the reasons I do that is you can kind of tell looking at Pastor Padron that uh, I like to eat. <laughs> you know, and so especially on longer trips, in in the car you know when you're going on day trips or you're going you know dr i've driven to florida a number of times you have the tendency to snack to keep yourself awake and i got into the the habit of smoking a cigar or a pipe in the car to keep me from eating really it kept keeps me busy keeps me awake keeps me keeps me focused I'm at the point now where if I'm driving, I, I need something to smoke. Yeah. I gotta gotta have a I love enjoying a cigar in the car. I smoke in my car every day. Oh yeah. yeah. So my best feeling in the world question for this it, you know, for you guys is do you guys smoke in your car and why or why not? Me first. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies first. Uh, 100% yes. I, I mean, I agree with all the points that you made about if you're going on a long trip, it's kind of like a method of relaxation. But even even on a short drive, you know, it's kind of your only me time in the day sometimes. So you need to yes. kind of just sit back, relax, crack a window and then smoke. It's just it's relaxation without having to actually dedicate time to sitting down and smoking a cigar. Right, you're already, you're already sitting there. You might as well enjoy a cigar, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Right? Yeah. So you smoke in your car every day, Orlando? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I have, my truck is uh, 2013. This is the oldest car I ever had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the oldest. And my wife called our financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And he said, can you please say something to him about his car? He can be driving that PS around town. Like he needs to change that car. <laughs> so, just, so, so he called me. He's like, "Hey, you know, we, you're doing great. You know, you can't afford any car you want." So obviously, that's one of the things about me. I don't care about cars. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I love about my truck is I can smoke in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you give me a brand new car, I'm not going to smoke in it. I will smoke later, but, yeah. <laughs> but that car, I mean, anytime I have any 30, 40, 50 minute drive, I light up. I light up a cigar when I was coming down here. Yeah, nice. sure. So you got it. Nice. You got to smoke. And Nick, you smoke in your car, obviously. Yeah. I try to 
keep it to somewhat of a minimum because I have my wife in there all the time with the dog and she'll definitely be like, smells like cigars in here. Did you smoke? I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, My previous car was literally an ashtray on wheels. (laughs) Yeah. Like I had the, the mats that were like black and white. And most of the time I would just like empty out the the floor mats and they'd be like a whole bunch of ash coming out but i love driving and smoking it's more like meditation to me mm-hmm. and especially now in new england where it's coming into the fall season you have all the trees are different colors and especially up here in new hampshire southern new hampshire and middle new hampshire you hit the back roads and the scenery is spectacular And it's even better with a cigar. Mm. You're just cruising along. You got your cruise control at 30. You're going through the twisties. You're seeing the scenery. You got your cigar going. And for me, I get lost. Like I get lost in the moment. And it's just, okay, I'm driving five minutes away from my house. Next thing I know, I'm like two hours away from my house. Or I'm heading down (laughs) Route 101 or... 121 i'm already in auburn or somewhere and i don't even care that's when the wife calls and asks us where you are pretty much yeah <laughs> is nick at work nope. not, even, not yet coop. not yet paul do you smoke in your car well considering the fact that i can't smoke on my motorcycle because i don't have a windshield and if i did the ashes would be right in my face the whole way. <laughs> but yes, I, I do. And, and, and to uh, copy off Bree, uh, it is a sense of relaxation. Uh, you know, I'm, like most of us, we're on our feet all day long. Uh, we do get a chance to smoke at work, but it's never anything that we can really stay with for any length of time. We're always helping clients out, going yep. back to the cigar, not really anything relaxing for us. So that's probably, except for sitting at, at, at my deck at home, that's mm. probably the one time where I'm, you know, probably about a half hour between work and home that I actually have to sit back, relax, unwind, take the back roads home, you know, just unwind, clear the mind. Yeah, I love it. I just have one, there's one thing that my girlfriend always asks is keep the windows down and make sure the car's clean. <laughs> because we're, we're a one car family, so she doesn't really want to be driving that car with ashes or yeah. the smell of smoke inside. Mm. All right. Well, we're pretty much here at the end of our first uh, segment here. Um, does anyone have any final thoughts on the uh, opus here, the uh, Keeper of the Flame 2013? Yum. Yum. This has been probably one of my best Opus X experiences. Yep. Um, first yeah, of all, for sure. Orlando, thank you very much for sharing this with us. Um, this, the cigar really has... Uh, it's made it's it's been very consistent in the last half hour or so for me. Um, I told you in the beginning the cigar really had a lot of spice and leather notes. It's subsided, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of sweet earthy notes, some nice wood, a um, little bit of spice. The retrohale really really super smooth and rich. Um, I love this. I mm-hmm. think it's, it is one of my favorite uh, Opus X cigars I've had. For sure. That's that's your takeaway for sure. No, not Probably at all. Hold on. on, let me finish my scotch. You, okay. All right. Don't you, have any you, for the you next get nothing for the pipe. No. I'll go across the street. 
Okay. I'll get something there. He just couldn't help himself. I couldn't. That Belvini, the Belvini Caribbean cast is one of my favorites. Cast, cast. Cast. Anyone. Whatever. Cast away. Cast. Cast. Um, Did you read that, Paul? I'm sorry. You're in trouble. What? We're all in trouble? Paul's in trouble. Paul's in trouble? Nicole. Damn. <laughs> oh, she watching. She knows this. Come on. She watching. I've never seen you not smoking. <laughs> well, busted. You've obviously <laughs> never seen me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. If I could, thank if I could, God, there's no camera in there. If I could smoke in bed, I would. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my wife would be extremely upset. But anyways, the cigar. Scotch was fantastic, but it did get better. Orlando was telling us before the show started, when you get to the band, mm. it gets better. And it did. It smoothed right out a little bit more, a little bit more complexity. It got sweeter. The spice and the retro hail was right there. The earth, the leather, the sweetness came through. Mm. And it was just absolutely fantastic. Mm. And it became more of a I'd say more of a full body once you got to the band for me it was very municipal very <laughs> very municipal Bree Bree final final thoughts um, this is another cigar well not another but um, pretty much it's unique in that some cigars you smoke them and this you know that spice really builds up on your palate and mm. it becomes kind of um it starts to encase all of the other flavors, but with this cigar, um, the spice remained consistent and kind of on the back, and now it's at the point where I'm getting um, strong cocoa notes on the back end. I'm getting strong cocoa notes on the retrohale, and if you, know, if, if you kind of take a moment to um, taste a little bit, it's, it's very mellow. And then the spice kind of comes in and dilutes that. And I, I think it's um, turning into an even more pleasant smoke if it couldn't already be. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, with the Belvini, it's um, kind of similar in nature. Like with the Belvini, you know, off the bat, you're like, okay, you know, it's a single malt whiskey. Cool. Um, and as it goes on with this pairing, you kind of get a few more complexities that come out, and then together they round each other out very well. Oh, I agree with what everybody's saying here. Um, Orlando, you were right. The cigar gets better as it goes. Mm-hmm. And um, this, I, I'm also going to agree with Paul. This is probably one of my favorite Opus experiences that I've had. And uh, being a friend of uh, the Scott, Scott Keller. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. I've had opportunity to have many <laughs> Opus experiences. Um, he desires to be like you, having Opus, you know, <laughs> out, flowing out of his veins. And uh, uh, this is really a fantastic cigar. And it has just uh, uh, gotten more and more creamy and subtle and um complex too um as the as the cigar has gone on it's been really great the construction on it has been great looking at all around i'm looking at dave he's stacking dimes on his cigar over there wow everybody's cigar has been that's crazy uh, man smoking incredibly well just a great 
great cigar. And if you are able to find these, um, I would definitely recommend it. You might want to put them in your fridge for five years with a little bit of bourbon <laughs> because this is freakishly awesome. Yes. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to be smoking Esoterica Penzance. Probably the Opus equivalent in the pipe world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. everybody thanks for hanging in there now we are moving on to the other side of life and that is pipe smoking and if opus x is one of the undisputed kings of the cigars that everybody hunts for uh on the pipe side esoterica pipe tobaccos are what everybody hunts for and at the top of that list is this Penzance. Penzance is, I think, one of the most sought-after pipe tobacco blends uh, on the earth. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I uh, have a friend of mine who was uh, scrolling around some pipe uh, places online and saw somebody who was offering Penzance at $20 an ounce. Wow. And uh, he asked me if that was a fair price. And I said, well, you can get the two ounce tin for 16 bucks <laughs> or the uh, uh, eight ounce bag for 40, which would make that $5 an ounce. So, you know, it's up to you. How, how bad do you want Penzance? And the reality is it's so rare and so hard to find that uh, you may actually be willing to pay Twenty, thirty, forty dollars an ounce to get this stuff, and indeed, that person uh, selling it wasn't having any trouble selling this stuff. Um, this is made by uh, uh, J.F. Germain and Son. It is a Balkan blend of Latakia, Turkish Orientals, and Virginias. No flavorings added to this. It's a flake. The flakes really just kind of crumble. It's more of a crumble cake. Um, even though it's sliced, you pick up a you pick up one of the flakes and it just crumbles into pieces. It's very very delicate stuff, and uh, we're drinking the same uh, Balvini uh, Caribbean cask 14 year with this. Except for Nick. Except for Nick, Except for who's Nick. now drinking nothing. And uh, Paul and I knew that this was going to happen. We were joking about it before the show started, and uh, there you go. Now, for those of you who may not have been here last week, we also smoked a uh, Germain tobacco, the uh, Balkan Sobrani. And um, we talked a little bit about Germain and the history of them. They've been around making pipe tobacco for 200 years, since 1820 uh, over in England. And um, Esoterica is one of the brands they are best known for making. Um, there's a lot of kind of uh, mystery about the the brand and how it started and where it started. And uh, um, what I've been able to ascertain is that it was the brainchild of a man named uh, Steve Richmond uh, back in 1990. And uh, working with Jermaine as the 
the manufacturer of the tobaccos got together with a select group of people to help him with tasting and approving of blends, one of whom was GLPs and had his fingers in these uh, blends that we are having here. GLPs is one of my, Greg Pease is one of my uh, favorite brands, favorite blenders in the pipe tobacco business. And um, uh, they picked out the blends that are currently in the Esoterica line. And that brand has changed hands from uh, Richmond uh, a number of times. And now it is exclusively distributed by Arango Cigar Company. And um, before we get into anything else, I'd like to know what your initial thoughts are on this Penzance stuff. Wow. Wow. Dave's initial <laughs> is, is wow. Nick, what about yourself? Very smooth and complex. Mm -hmm. And delicious. This is a lot of tobacco, though. A lot. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know why either. But to have this right after the Opus is spectacular. It's, it's. I'm lost for words, man. I'm lost for words. It's, mm. it's amazing. It's so dynamic. I yeah. taste the Virginias, mm -hmm. then I taste, you know, the mesquite. And I, you know, then some stone fruit, and then uh, it keeps going. It's it's changing very uh, rapidly, going back and forth. Uh, the drink is enhancing it even more. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. Paul. So, like I mentioned to uh, to you all last week, that I've never smoked anything from Esoterica before. Uh, well, well, that's right. It's not Esoterica. It's it's a different different company but um, when I first lit this up tonight I was getting a menagerie of different flavors coming at me from all different directions mm, a menagerie the I, I got a lot of uh, charred beef and leather notes wood cedar fruit deep fruit mm. uh, spice and then just wave after wave it kept changing it's very complex mm. um, so it, it's it was it was tough it was tough for me in the beginning to really figure out what I was smoking because the flavors were constantly changing, constantly developing, um, and now they've settled down. It is really, really a very well uh, rich, uh, intoxicating tobacco. I can see why this is so sought after mm. now. It's actually Paul's second bowl. This, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> now, Orlando, you're kind of new to the whole pipe world of things. And now you're smoking what people consider the creme de la creme. What, what are your, what's your thoughts on it? It's, it's uh, gotta go with Paul. It's a lot of, it's complex, mm -hmm. a lot of flavors, sweet, mm. uh, a lot of fruit, like he said. Yeah. Um, more it's like not a, as peaty as it smelled out no, of the tin, right? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. There's a lot of peaty in there when you smell it, but now that you start smoking it. Is um, like dry fruit. Mm -hmm. That's what I was yeah. uh, mm. coming after. Yeah, it's, it's a plethora of flavors. That uh, it is so subtle, mm. which is I think that's what makes it so so good. Mm -hmm. Brie. 
So of course I do have to agree with what everybody's saying. Um, mm -hmm. I would call this one another Willy Wonka pairing where, you know, one <laughs> moment it's this, the next moment it's something else. Off the bat, you get the mesquite and the tin, you get the peat. Um, but not to reiterate all that, I think that um, there's certain things that are that are rare and you try them and you're like, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. I think this is one of those things where it's rare, but it actually is rare for a reason. Mm. And it's um, it's something that I don't think I've experienced yet um, fully with any other pipe tobacco. Um, I, th I think it's always impressive when you get a tobacco that can successfully combine mesquite, sweet, fruit, and then some underneath it all and successfully tied it in a way that still keeps you guessing and gets you thinking. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, very enjoyable so far. Yeah, there's certainly a lot going on with this. And, you know, I, I have to say it goes incredibly well with the Caribbean cask. It, mm. I bet it does. Oh, you're just going to have to take my word, Nick. I will. Um, this is a really smooth, creamy tobacco. And, you know, there's this real sweetness in the background. Uh, I'm with Orlando. There's lots of fruity flavors, deep stewed fruit, mm. you know, or dried fruit kind of flavors. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so the Latakia in this is you can taste that smokiness that it brings, the, the wood notes, the um, mesquite kind of um, flavors that it brings. But there's this real, you know, kind of, sweet creaminess that's that's kind of puts that more in the background and the orientals that, that bring that spice a little bit of sweet and sour that you get you know those seem to be more up front to me that the latakia is more of a supporting player uh for this mm. and um it's it's the opposite of the tin smell because when the the tin note tin smell <laughs> in my never-ending attempt to, to speak to the masses, I sound stupid. Um, you know, the, the tin note is very vinegary. It's got that um, very peaty kind of uh, smell to it that Orlando was noting. And this is one of those tobaccos, when you light it up and when you smoke it, it's not at all what you get in the tin. Um and it is. It is very complex and very smooth and very subtle. There's no sure. real overt flavors to this. Mm -hmm. It's all very subtle. Everything's playing very well together. It's hard to pick stuff out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what I was saying is that I, I wasn't quite sure what I was smoking when I mm -hmm. first had this because it was so many different flavors, like I said, coming at you and it would change. And then next drawer, you're bringing something else out. And the next drawer, something else comes out. And it's just constantly moving around. It's, it's really, really fantastic. Now, you mentioned, Bree, that, that here's something that's rare that, that in your mind kind of measures up to, to all the hype. And Orlando, I'd, I'd really like your take on this question, too. Have you ever had an experience where you went out for, you know, a cigar or, you know, the rest of you, we can talk cigars, pipe tobacco, and you get it, and it just did not measure up. Huh. Like, it was, it was more hype than anything else. It's a lot of, it's a lot of tobacco out there like that. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just, you know, it just depends of uh, the people that are selling it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't care about putting the name stuff that really don't measure up to what they say mm -hmm. it is. Uh, but, you know, talking about that subtlety, if you're not a good, if you're not a smoker, mm -hmm. if you're not a, like, for example, with my, I have a lot of wine, old mm -hmm. wine. Mm. Uh, I age a lot of wine, a lot of Bordeaux. And you give that to a person that don't drink or don't know a lot about wine, mm -hmm. they will think, oh, it doesn't taste like anything. Right. Because it's an aged mm. uh, wine. And you have to find those those flavors. Mm. they there. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you drink a lot of those wines, you will find it. Mm -hmm. You will taste a lot of stuff. You will smell a lot of uh, things out there. It's the same thing with this tobacco. Mm -hmm. You know, the subtlety, yeah. If I, it's a person that doesn't smoke, he probably will say, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. But um, people that smoke a lot, they understand that this is a really complex uh, tobacco. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I was talking to, to a, a customer uh, over the weekend who, you know, we were looking at Roma Craft cigars, and I said, "Oh wow, don't you love the the Neanderthal? That's one of my favorite things." He's like, "You know, no, I I don't. I I, I think I I don't taste anything when I smoke that cigar." Yeah. yeah. And I kind of blinked because, you know, my mantra with that is, "It's a party in your mouth." Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> There's so much going on. So much. And I couldn't. I, I my jaw nearly hit the floor. I I didn't know how to relate to the guy. Yeah. Because here, here's a cigar that I see is incredibly flavorful and, quite frankly, very full-bodied. And here's a guy saying, I smoked it, and it really didn't do anything for me. It well, just wasn't just, there wasn't anything going on. Yeah. Like, that what? Is, and there's a lot of people that, you know, you see them with these big green cigars, huge cigars. Mm -hmm. And they get used to these huge two-hour cigars because they just want to be just knocked down yeah right yeah. it's not about the taste it's not about is the after mm -hmm. the after the cigar what happened if i'm this if i'm this if i'm that that's a good cigar mm. right so the measure is not about the flavor it's not about right. the enjoying the cigar it's about other things mm. and and uh I, I think it's a lot of cigars that the the so flavorful mm -hmm. uh and and the just because of the price, people don't go for it, mm. you know. Paul, have you ever been disappointed by something that you've gone after, tried it, and then said, uh... You know, I'm not much of a Padron smoker. I, yeah. do, I do appreciate them, but I'm not one to, to go after them. Okay. And partly because of the, the, the dollars you have to spend for it. Um, and with me... If I'm going to spend that kind of money, I want that cigar to last at least an hour or more. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about the flavors because Padron has some really unique flavorful cigars. But the fact that they smoke in such a short amount of time yeah. really leaves me wanting more. So I would say, uh, and I'll just use the example of the, the Padron Toro, the 1964 Toro. Um, I had that one time and it lasted literally a half hour. And I said, well, that's 15 or $16, I'll never see again. So 
<laughs> it, and it, I, I just, I, I would say that's probably my biggest disappointment was mm. smoking that. Nick, have you ever had a disappointment like that? I imagine not. You know, if it burns, it's good, right? Usually, yeah. If I can light it and smoke it, I'm usually happy. Mm. Usually a happy guy. But there was one cigar that I came across that the hype on it was intense. Online, mm. in magazines, the rep was in my ear saying how good this was. There was another person's name on it. So at that point, I kind of took it at face value and was like, oh, well, this person's name is on it as well. It was a collab. And I was like, oh, this one's got to be really, really great. And I bought it that night. I smoked it on the way home. I took the long way home. And I was really, really disappointed in the cigar. I thought it was going to give me all this flavor um, it was saying on online that it was supposed to be all a spice bomb. It was supposed to be a full body smoke. It was supposed to be smooth, creamy, had black cherry notes, the whole nine yards. Mm. And I got nothing from it. It yeah. fell flat. It, don't get me wrong. It was a strong cigar. And like Paul, I, I like strong cigars. I like full body smokes. But I want some flavor behind it. I want something there that's going to catch my attention. That's going to keep me going. That's going to want me to go back to that cigar. And I paid a, a pretty penny for it. Um, but it, it just fell flat. And I was extremely disappointed. And I'll never, ever have that cigar again. Never. I think the biggest disappointment I had was, you know, my nickname is Pastor Padron. I, I like Padrones. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Really. Um, and uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to have a Padron Millennium. That's a cigar that they came out with in 2000 to celebrate the, the new year. I think they actually came out in 1999. And uh, when I got it, it was 20 years old. Wow. Oh. And... Uh, you know, I knew it had been well cared for and everything. And um, I was so ready for that to be like one of the best cigars I ever had. And, you know, one of the things you need to, to understand about aging tobacco is th there is there is a point where it is a diminishing return. Yeah. You know, uh, flavors can mature, even if they're mellowing and get better and bring out you know n new things you know but there there comes a point where the oils are starting to leave and you lose so much that there isn't much there and that was the case with this cigar um talk about a unicorn getting getting a padrone millennium 20 years after it came out and it was it was a a very tasteless cigar it was the the you could just tell, I mean, was was there still things going on? Yeah, but all the things that you want and expect in a Padron had really just kind of passed, passed their prime and were no longer really there. And that was a real, that was a real disappointment. I, I didn't. Too. I didn't cry or anything like that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. But, but, I'm sure uh, you did. It was, was a real disappointment. You know, and that's saying something. Um, but 
you know, I find Padrones are some of those cigars that they tend to, to smoke great right out of the box. Yeah. Stuff like Opus, I hear almost universally put two, three, four years of age on them, and then they're at their peak. Padrones seem to be at their peak when you get them. They're not really meant to be aged for two or three or four years. There are exceptions to that. I've had some great aged Padrones as well, but that one in particular just you know, didn't hit me where I was itching. Hmm. It's, it's, like I told you before, it's just like wine too. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, some of the wines that you think they, they tell you the age of, you know, 12, 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. they they hit the peak too fast and when mm -hmm. they come down, it's just, it's not a lot of good flavors out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the wines were, they they said that it's not gonna age well. I mean, I have bottles of wine that uh, had this uh, Chateau Ozana, mm. uh, 2004, and it wasn't nothing spectacular about it. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, it was 2005. Uh, it was one of the best years in Bordeaux, mm. and I had three bottles, and I was just, I'm gonna have one every five years. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, 2010, I had one. Mm -hmm. 2015, I have the other one. And we just drank the last one uh, wow. this year. And that one was better than the other two. Mm. It was spectacular. Mm. It was amazing, that wine. Uh, you can't find those wines anymore mm -hmm. uh, because they, the experts recommended to drink it earlier. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's, that goes with everything. And like you said, all these products, all these products that are made by, you know, these farmers, mm -hmm. they're still alive. Even when they bottle, even when they roll, uh, even when they put it in anything, mm. they're still alive. Right. Uh, so you, you can either edge it a little bit, or but you have to be almost precise by the time you're going to smoke it or drink it. That's right. One of, one of the best, again, I've only had Padrones maybe a half a dozen times. And like I said, like I told you before, See, that no, that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are going to differ on this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, because of my disappointment with the length of time that Padrones take to smoke um, and the, the cost involved, I was given uh, a year ago from a customer a three-year-old 4,000 Padrone. And it was probably the best Padrone that I have smoked thus far. Like I said, I've only had them maybe a half dozen times, but it was one of the best ones because it just really developed in flavor for me. He said mm -hmm. he's only kept it in his humidor for three years, did nothing else to it, and it was probably the best Padron I've had. Mm. Like I said, I haven't had many of them, but a 4000 that probably cost maybe, what, eight bucks? Yeah. Just was, to me, phenomenal. I've heard some bar clients say the same thing about certain bourbons. Mm. Like, um, we have a few people that have, I forget which edition, which barrel, but have been like, yeah, I got this bottle of Pappy, tried it, and hated it. Mm. So, I, I mean, it just goes to show, like, branding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, that definitely gets involved in things. Now, we have a segment on the show called Viewer Questions, and that's where viewers get to uh, email or chime in or write questions in the comments or whatever. And for us or our guests in Orlando, you got some that I have here on my 
Questions? Yes. Uh, and uh, Shane uh, would like to know, uh, you know, you moved around so much, you know, doing baseball and everything. What made you settle in New Hampshire? Yeah, my yeah, my wife and I, we, since 2006, we had 17 different addresses. Wow. <laughs> From 2007 to 2012, we had 17 addresses. Uh, but different addresses, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, my wife is uh, from Drake, Mass. Mm -hmm. And uh, her family was there too. So we all moved to New Hampshire because we want to live free. Right? But no, it's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, like, I, like 17 addresses, I live everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. I live in a, in a place in California where everybody's Asian. Mm. The garbage, uh, the people that collect the garbage was Asian. The people that cut the grass was Asian. Mm. So like everybody mm. was Asian. Uh, beautiful, beautiful town in Alameda. Mm. Uh, I mean, everywhere. It's, it's a lot of good places, but uh, it's, it's hard for anybody to tell me this is not the best place to live and mm. to raise your kids. Uh, like living in Wyndham now, with, uh, we have one of the best school systems, uh, brand new high school, brand new uh, elementary school, mm -hmm. uh, and we just keep doing better and better. So great neighbors, great friends, and, and you know, be close to our families. And, uh, you know, my mom comes from Colombia maybe twice, twice a year. Unfortunately, we haven't seen it in a, in a while because mm -hmm. of COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Yeah, it's it's uh it's home. Mm. Next question. Heather wants to know, do you have a walk-in humidor in your house? A walk-in humidor. Yes. Uh mm. or a, a walk-in wine cellar. A walk-in wine cellar. Wine cellar. Yeah. Uh is is to the right to the house and I think they saying that because they can see it from yeah. the street. <laughs> they can see when the lights are on, you can see all through the wine, through the cellar. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but, and I do have like a main cave where, you know, you can smoke in the house. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she also wants to know, how many cigars do you have? <sighs> right now, I have too many. I have too many, but I'm, I've been... <laughs> We're very willing to help you. With We're that. here for you. Uh, We're here for you, Orlando. We got I you. have a lot of opus. <clears throat> a lot of opus. And, and I have... Right now, I have the most rare opus. And um, I, I've been told that it's the most expensive opus uh, out there, uh, which is the, um, the purple, heart. Purple, purple, purple Rain. Purple Rain. I have a box of that. I don't even know when we're going to open that. Mm. It's got to be a celebration, so... The next show. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but this, that's out there. Uh, it has so many stuff right now that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm like the type of guy that, you know, really don't need a celebration, don't need a special occasion to open stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but so any, any day, it's probably going to be open. Hmm. Oh yeah. Sean <laughs> wants to know uh where did you have 
your first opus? Uh, my first opus was uh, 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife, um, we just got married mm -hmm. and she bought me a cigar of the month mm -hmm. uh, su subscription. And it was an Opus X and every month and, uh, and those uh, cigars didn't think about anything. Uh, I was a Cuba Cuba mm. uh, in those days. Uh, the acid. The acid Cuba Cuba. I, I, that was the only cigar I can smoke in the clubhouse without people getting crazy about the smoke. Because mm -hmm. it smells so sweet. People mm -hmm. didn't even know I was smoking. So, uh, But then out of all the cigars, I was always smoking that one. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I used to go to all the shops. I was like, hey, can you, you got an Opus X? And I was like, nobody has that. Mm. Nobody has that. And I was like, why? Mm. So I didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Until uh, I came here uh, to the shop, the old shop. Yeah. And, and uh, Sean started getting them and I started buying it by boxes. And, and, you know, just changed my, my life or <laughs> the way life. <laughs> I look cigars. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, he also asks, he said, do you find you prefer Dominican tobacco over other countries? And in, in some, uh, some cigars, mm -hmm. you know, you give me an Ashton or, you know, uh, what's the other one? Placencia is it? No, not Placencia is. You know, I like it a little bit, but when I smoke an Opus or mm -hmm. I smoke some of the Arturo Fuente, I know there's a lot of Dominican tobacco in there. Yeah. But if I'm going to smoke something else, I regularly go to Nicaragua tobacco. Mm. Uh, so I go with Nikki, uh, with the um, Tabernacle mm -hmm. uh, yep. that I love. And um, I, 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 I do like the Factory 57 from uh, 724. Yep. One of the first batches that they have, I still have some of those cigars wow. uh, in my humidor. You hear that, Kurt? Yeah, he yeah. knows that. I told him that. <laughs> I was like, you have to replicate this. And I know, he told me what happened, but that blend was probably one of the best blends mm. for 724. It's one of my favorite blends, the Factory 57. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, I find myself more into Nicaraguan tobacco myself. So that that uh, Nicaraguan Jalapa, Jalapa yeah. wrap, wrapper they have on that is just amazing. Yeah. That's on true. the 724. Great, great cigar. Um, Paul, do you want to talk a little bit about the news? You got some news for us tonight? I do. News with Paul. So all you cu people who are looking to get Cuban cigars, listen up. Ooh. The Trump administration bans Americans from legally bringing back Cuban cigars and rum. Yep. From Cuba or from anywhere? From anywhere outside the United States. Yep. So this, this is from Half Wheel, and this came out last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. The Trump administration has announced that it will no longer allow Americans to legally bring Cuban cigars and rum after traveling overseas. Previously, 
Americans traveling abroad have been able to legally bring back Cuban cigars and rum so long as it does not exceed the personal import restrictions. Specifically, no more than 100 cigars valued at up to $800 total every 31 days. That included travel from any other country to America, including Cuba. The policy roots trace back to 2014 when the Obama administration announced that Americans traveling from Cuba could bring back up to $100 of Cuban cigars or rum. In 2016, the cap was lifted, and Cuba, at least when it came to Americans bringing back cigars and alcohol, was treated like any other foreign country. Importing Cuban cigars for commercial purposes has remained banned. That change is one of a number of new restrictions the Department of the Treasury Office of Foreign Asset Control has made in regards to Cuba. The goal of these changes, according to Steve Munchen, the De Secretary of the Department of Treasury, is to weaken the Cuban government, which he characterizes as an oppressive regime. This is the latest in a series of moves by the Trump administration to reverse Obama-era softening with Cuba. In 2017, the Trump administration rolled back most of the pathway for Americans to easily travel to Cuba and placed restrictions on doing business with certain entities in Cuba. So no more legally bringing back Cuba. That's good news, man. Overrated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, it, is. God. it is. I'm, I'm more sad about Havana Club more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Than, trust yeah. me. I, I Leave it in Colombia, we get all the Cubans, mm -hmm. all the Cuban tobacco. And one of my best friends, uh, Domenico, and the um, La Cava del Puro, in mm -hmm. Cartagena, Sean being there and uh, in, in the, in the knows uh, Domenico. Yep. He brings all the Cuban cigars. Mm. Overrated. Overrated. I mean, 30 years ago, maybe, but Nicaraguan tobacco is getting so much better. Yeah. The consistency with all the factories out there trump every single cigar almost that you can get from, the, from Cuba. It's not quality control anymore. No. All the people that do the quality control are gone. They all open factories somewhere else. <laughs> they do. I mean, it's, you can only take it for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And when you live in, in these communist uh, uh, countries, you, it's only about, only about production. It's not about quality. You just want to make cigars. Yeah. And if you have to make 50 cigars or 500 cigars a day, you don't care what cigar you put in or what, what tobacco you put in there and yeah i have some some cubas back in the 90s mm -hmm. that's when they they were probably good mm -hmm. 2000 anything now as much as uh, publicity you see in all these magazines is all bs all bs so yeah i mean it's, it's a lot of tobacco it's a lot of options out there a lot of options out there. I know I know you can't get them. That's why you you know, we pay a lot of money for it. Yeah. I, I have paid a lot of money. I I pay one one time I pay hundred and thirty dollars for Cohiba mm -hmm. in Montreal because they said that was gonna be the best cigar and I smoked it, half of it, throw it. Then I went back to Cartagena and my friend uh Domenico gave me an entire box of Cohiba behind. The one same Behikis, yeah. the yeah. same one Spanish we say behind, mm -hmm. but it's a Behikis. Same cigar for free. Mm -hmm. I don't think I smoke any. I give them away all of them. Wow, it's just it's just now the quality control is not there. And he says something that he was giving it to me for free. Yeah, 
Because yeah. he knows. <laughs> you want these? Yeah, you want this? Can you take this away? From I can't me? sell them. Can you just take them, please? I need shelf space. Sorry. I need shelf space for my Trotter Oak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best, the best Cubans that I've ever had were grown. Uh, not grown. I'm sorry. Rolled. <laughs> um, from my in-laws that are in Cuba. So before the whole COVID and everything, a couple years ago. They've brought over Cubans to me that weren't Cohiba or Monte Cristo or Partigas or anything like that, that they've rode themselves that were probably the best Cubans that I've ever had. And don't get me wrong, I've had some good Cubans out there. Yeah. I had some good Monte, uh, yeah. Monte number twos, some, you know, good Partigas, definitely uh, a lot of Cohibas that I've had in my day. But the best ones that beat all those are the ones that they have personally rolled for me. When they come over from Cuba, you know, a couple of years ago, um, those were the best. Those are for me. Those were the best Cuban cigars that I've smoked. Mm. All right, we're coming up on the end of the show here. What uh, is our final thoughts on the Penzance from Esoterica? Mm. Does it live up to the hype? Yes, it does. It absolutely it does. does. This has been a very complex smooth uh just a, a plethora of of different flavors plethora. that that plethora. you're getting on yes I'm, I'm using several hog words tonight dan mm. uh <laughs> the uh <clears throat> the the flavors are just uh rich and complex lots of uh cedar fruit wood uh some leather uh still getting a little bit of that uh, charred beef, although that's been more of a, a background player, but it's just uh, a wonderful, wonderful tobacco. This is this is going to be high on my list, big time. It's making me hungry. Yes. Uh, Nick, yourself. I'll piggyback on Paul. You know, the complexity, the flavors, it being as smooth as it is, it's got to be at least my top three in there. Really? Yeah, it's so delicious. It's like neck and neck with plum pudding reserve. It's mm -hmm. and the plum pudding reserve, I think, is spectacular. Mm -hmm. That's something that is is out there. You can definitely get it. Uh, we have it for sale as well. But this is is fantastic. The mm -hmm. complexity, the flavor, the delivery on it, it the retro hail, the taste, everything is spectacular on it. Orlando, what are your final thoughts on this? Well, I, I, I like it. This is a what, third time mm -hmm. smoking my pipe. Yeah, third time smoking a pipe, you're smoking Penzance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's yeah. not out of his thank, realm. life. Thank you for the opportunity. Mm. Uh, I, I really like it. Really love it. Um, hopefully, I can get more. Uh, you think it went well with the scotch? I think it went well with the scotch. Mm. I think it, it would go well with a lot of things. A lot of things. <laughs> um, yeah. And... Uh, no, have a great time. Uh, smoke really, really nice, and and like that same word I'm gonna use is the subtlety of mm -hmm. this mm. this tobacco is amazing. Mm. I think I think this Penzance would go really, really, really good with a red wine. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think it would bring out more flavor. I think the wine and the tobacco would feed off each other, mm -hmm. and you would just get a mouthful of flavor. I don't think I can disagree with that. No. 
and now you're making me thirsty. So now I'm hungry. Three. One hundred percent piggybacking off what everybody said, and I'm actually getting even more flavors as I've I've been puffing my bowl pretty consistently, and I I almost get like an espresso on the mm. retrohale if I really take a moment to just mm. think about the retrohale. I'm actually getting espresso from it now. Wow. Um. So it's it's really a unique blend of flavors. It's almost like you have like a tray of like fruit, nuts, espresso beans, and like just all sorts of different things. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, final words. Wow, uh, I've never had it's. I've never had such dynamic tobacco. Uh, the flavors that keep changing. My bowl is gone. Um, it's yeah. I, I, what a special treat that was. It was amazing. All right. Uh, I piggyback on what everyone else has said. It, it really is an amazing tobacco. It is uh, very, 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 very good. Um, if you like. Uh, Balkan style pipe tobacco blends. Um, this is definitely worth hunting. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Now, next week, we're going to be switching up and we're going to be doing an episode we're calling Sucker Punch, where we're going to be looking at really strong cigars and pipe tobacco. And for that, uh, we are going to be joined via Skype by La Flor Dominicana's Jonathan uh, Carney, and we're going to smoke the LFD Nas, oh. <laughs> one of the strongest cigars that they make, and we're going to uh, smoke that alongside uh, Gawith Hogarth's Irish Brown X. If we get it in in time. Well, we have some here at Hookset. Oh, all right. So, so Jonathan, the, I did set. smoke the cigar he gave me. Yeah. You say that. Hmm. You say, Orlando smoked that cigar that you give him in the cigar event. Okay. Just say that. I'll say that. And I like it. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, good. Uh -huh. All right. It, he'll be good to know. All right. So that's what's coming on next week. Thanks for being with us this week, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next Monday, 8 o'clock right here and that's not just blowing you've been listening to not just blowing smoke the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge expertise and fun of twins smoke shop new england's premier smoke shop right to you wherever you are whenever you want it you can find us at our website notjustblowingsmoke.com and keep in touch with us on facebook youtube twitter and instagram at not just blowing smoke thanks for listening everybody and that is not just blowing smoke. Rolling with the top down, smoking.